I'm Matsudiso, a musician, songwriter, producer and composer. I also teach. I'm fascinated by process, how we make what we make, why we make what we make. As a musician, I'm always learning from and inspired by other creatives, other musicians, artists, the arts itself, people. In short, life all inform the music I make. And I think that learning from others enriches not only our own art, but the arts. And why holding up the ladder? Well, because we're all trying to get somewhere and I think we build something stronger if we help each other. If we hold up the ladder rather than pull it up from under us as we climb. I'll be talking to all kinds of creatives about process, lessons learned, things that inspire us, the music we're listening to, what makes us who we are and the help we've had along the way. So join me as we climb, holding up the ladder. Essa folha do livro E se esquece de mim Finja que o amor acabou E se esquece de mim Você não compreender Se o meu mar de raiz e que ter medo de amar não faz ninguém. Every city has its scene. You know, those spaces where groups of people with a similar aesthetic, value, art discipline, or music style find each other. Well, in London, the jazz, soul, session musician scene is on one hand really big, yet on the other hand really tiny. Everyone knows each other, and if they don't, they'll know someone who knows someone you know. And it's through the same scene that I met today's guest, vocalist and songwriter Heidi Vogel. You know, and then you you catch yourself complaining, oh, I don't want to go on a 12-hour flight, you know, and you have to always remind yourself, like, I'm living the dream of my teenage childhood self that wanted to be a musician and share the stage and learn from amazing musicians, you know. Um, and so sometimes I do wonder, like, how did it happen? Heidi has toured the world, opening for artists such as Erica Badu, performed at Montreux Jazz Festival for Quincy Jones, many of the world's major music festivals and on the finest stages, including Cape Town Jazz Festival, London's Royal Albert Hall, Glastonbury, the Sydney Opera House, Coachella, Central Park Summer Stage in New York, North Sea Jazz and Blue Note Jazz Festivals. She's performed and or recorded with some incredible artists, Bobby McFerrin, Thundercat, Isaac Hayes, Moses Sumney, Miguel Atwood Ferguson, Chick Corea, Hermeto Pasquale, and some of the UK's most established artists on the scene. That scene I was telling you about, Soweto Kinch, Tawia, Roots Maneuver, Ty, Terry Walker, to name a few. We talk about our love of making lists and reaching musical milestones that seem to elude us. This was a really honest conversation about what it's like being a working musician, about lifelong learning, about being too hard on yourself at times, because I think that artists who are really passionate about what they do live, to quote Heidi, in devotion to the art. And they really are, they're abstract goals. Yeah. They're not something tangible. So it's its not something like, um, okay, go to the supermarket and buy, you know, two bags of rice and, and some chicken. It's not, 
something you can achieve. These are not, <laughs> they're, mm. they're, they're like spiritual goals. It's like saying, mm. I want to be happy. You know, it doesn't have any limit, does it? <laughs> <laughs> one little technical thing. You'll hear a car horn at some point go off during the interview. What can I say? We're still using Zoom. We're not in a soundstage. And well, mics pick up everything. Heidi Vogel, thank you so much for coming on to speak with me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, vocalist, songwriter extraordinaire. I was uh, thinking, you know, we've all we've both been in this London music scene for a long time and I've seen you and heard you around, you know, in the really, really early days and you really have sung with the who's who of the London scene. I, I, you're almost like an institution. You and Vula, I always think you were just singing with everybody. Mm, mm. Um, you sung with Eska, Sueta Kinch, Tawia, uh, Roots Manuva, Terry Walker, um, mm, Ty, mm. rest in peace, Ty, um, the brand new heavies. And then, you know, we go international, but let's, I always like to ask people, you know, how, did you get started? How did you start singing? Well, singing I've always been doing, but I would have said that in terms of how did I get started in the kind of music world, I came in very much on the acid jazz scene, actually. That was what was big when I was in my early teens. Mm -hmm. um, and I was quite young when I started singing in bands um like maybe 15 years old mm -hmm. and um there were a lot of really great bands around doing the acid jazz thing all the musicians from the jamiroquois and the incognito and the brand new heavies and all that kind of scene there were um lots of really great bands kind of sprouting out of that scene mm -hmm. and um i think i was quite lucky because people just asked me, oh, come and sing this band, come. And I was, I felt really privileged as like a 15, 16, 17 year old coming into rehearsal rooms with all these amazing musicians that were playing on big stages and going on tour and playing in amazing bands and knew so much about music. And that was like where I've started to really get to learn about how to, you know, get a band together and, um, get the lineup look it's different when you're playing in big bands I played in bands with like lots of vocalists where there's backing vocals in the organ you're arranging harmonies and arranging you know rhythm section and all this different kind of stuff so it was a a good insight for me from quite young um, and a really good like grounding experience for you know live performing and um, yeah live bands fantastic it's funny because I, I, your voice you've always had like a really grown-up voice it's mm. so um i was interviewing this incredible singer the other week pura Fay, and she's from uh she's native american and african-american she's just mixed with everything and mm. she has this kind of voice not in style that's similar to yours, because I think voices are really unique, but in the sense that there are so many great voices everywhere, but there are not many voices that are so uniquely, so uniquely belong to the singer. And your, your voice, every time Heidi sings, I'm like, oh, there's Heidi. It's such a rich 
luxurious voice. That's the only way I can, that's the only adjective I can think of. And so I can imagine at 15, mm. um, you had like this super grown up voice. I can imagine. Mm-mm. Yeah, I think I did. And, um, I think it's interesting that you say that because, um, I did have a lot of musicality and I'd been studying music already from young and had all my other, you know, childhood background of music, which was a lot to do with studying music, having it in the family, growing up singing, um, all the stuff that I was into and that I was learning. Um, But in terms of that playing in bands, I do think that you're right in that sense that the actual instrument that I had, the tone of my voice, stood me in good stead to get like a bit of attention from people oh she's really amazing but I wasn't that amazing (laughs) in terms of the experience wasn't there like when I look back on some old VHS videos I'm like wow my tuning really was not that good in in the very very beginning sometimes the tuning and certain things but I did always have like maybe a similar speaking voice to how I have now and I know what you mean in terms of um like some people have got amazing, amazing, amazing chops and some people have just got a voice that when you speak, you recognise it. And um, I think I did have a quite um, recognisable, even speaking voice at that age. And so I did, I did get like um, opportunities because I had the, the, the tone and the instrument um, get more of opportunities to be in, in really exciting bands but that was good because it put me a little bit ahead of where I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that, I, again, I'm not trying to say that I didn't have any musical musicality and musical training and musical experiences, but in terms of like being like a really big developed, um, I can't think of the word. Like a mature, do you mean like a mature kind of? Yeah, like a mature singer. I wasn't actually a mature, I was I was still a young kid, but I just had already the tone. So um, so yeah, it was kind of a, a contradicting um, position to be an interesting one. Um, there's a really interesting singer at the moment that I like on the uh, on the scene, a young girl as well, who's got. It's not similar to my tone. I, I haven't heard that girl that you mentioned, the um, poor Fay, but I'm going to check her out. She, but she's like she must be in her fifties. Like she, mm. her her mum used to sing in the Duke Ellington band, and she so wow. so she's older. She's incredible though. But sorry, go ahead. No, see, so like those kind of voices that you're saying, where it's not about being similar. It doesn't mean that this one is similar to me. It's just that you say someone has something that it's the actual tone. Um, that really captivates. And it's interesting because a lot of people do say that about me. Oh, Heidi, tone, tone, tone. And sometimes I kind of like look at people or like, oh, your voice is amazing. You know, that kind of thing. And sometimes I, I sort of wonder like, okay, yeah, that's great. We know I have an interesting voice. Like even when I speak, it's it's an interesting tone. But what about what I'm doing with it, you know? Um, and, you know, you have to you have to sort of, get the real balance between that where you you've got enough um skills and chops and and knowledge and musicality and rhythm and all the different factors and just a great tone on its own definitely isn't enough 
but when we are speaking of tones and that kind of maturity this girl out at the moment called baby rose have you heard her no i haven't i think you'd really like her she's actually i think she's american and she's actually doing really well her stuff's doing really well mm -hmm. but she's a really interesting where she's like 19 and she has just this really unique tone mm. unique voice where you know it's her um and you know it's the same with people like eska she's got that tone that you know it's her tone yeah and um yeah. it's just very unique and she's been sounding like that since she was a teenager as well you know um yeah, yeah no so it's an interest it is interesting and you know how it is with us singers we like to talk about this stuff for hours on end about all the different yeah. singers whose tone sounds like which and what, what it reminds you of and um, for the listeners that don't know Matsy and I we've known each other for about 20 years now isn't, isn't it that long oh my god is it really that long yeah I think it is you, you how how long do you think it is when you count? I don't know you know what I think my sense of time sometimes things feel like three years ago and then other times things feel like 30 years but you're probably right that it's probably around tw 20 years it's just time just goes so quickly <laughs> yeah and so we got to know each other through the same thing being around at jams and getting up and singing and talking about voices and music and um yeah the, we could probably talk all day just about that about all the different singers in london and everyone's tone and what you know comparing tone versus technique and musicality and rhythm and what everyone's fortes are and where their strengths are but no I mean definitely with me I would say that that is the main comment I've always had that my instrument is 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 my forte in terms of the sound mm -hmm. and then um, so I've I've definitely tried to and still I'm trying to learn about that and work on that and expand on that yeah Totally. And it's, it's interesting. And I, I do agree with you that tone isn't enough. And I think your voice is more than tone. Mm. It's, it's like um, there are certain voices, like I'd say Frank Sinatra, for example, he opens his mouth and he could sing the phone book and everybody loves the sound of his voice or Gregory Porter. They're very, mm. they're these warm, they're very inviting voices. But at the same time, you do need to know to be able to do more than that because after a while it can get samey mm, mm. and so i'm not saying gregory porter and and frank sinatra's voices are samey what i'm just saying is that voices do need more than tone they need color they need those kind of thing you know like mm. you say technical ability and i think with um with maturity and understanding your voice more or one's voice more because our voices also change with ourselves because they're so connected to who we are as people. Mm. That, that's why, for example, I love the veterans, people like Patti LaBelle and Gladys Knight, um, their voices, you're like, what the, it's not just that they can hit the high notes, it's what they're doing with their voices that is so incredible, you know? Mm. So, but I'd like to go back a little bit further because, you know, you, what were you listening to as a child? Were you, did you have music lessons? Did you, mm. what kind of records were playing at home? Were you a family that all sang together? What was that like? Yeah, so um, I did have music lessons. I was studying music theory as well, doing all my grades, um, playing in the orchestra, playing xylophone in the orchestra, um, studying you know singing the choirs doing all that stuff um 
so that's before before my teens early on doing all the you know the family music was very strong lots of singing um lots and lots of cultural singing and stuff was big in my family everybody sings um and also listening to lots of music so i was my i grew up with listening to like quite a bit of classical music opera um a lot of arabic music um a lot of pop music like um soul pop music ray charles etta james then later on stuff like lionel richie when houston that kind of stuff so when i and michael jackson so when i was young listening to all that with my walkman and stuff i was always always we always had like vinyl player and then walkman and stuff so i was listening to quite a big range from you know classical to motown and then and then in when i started when i got my first walkman i think i was nine and then i went on to my own path with like albums like off the wall and you know all the stuff that which is funny now because you think a nine-year-old listening to off the wall how sophisticated <laughs> but back then it was just normal yeah and you would just like you'd be like oh it's an old michael jack because at that when i when when I was young, that Michael Jack that was an old Michael Jackson album. But you I remember getting it just like in one of those bins in WH Smith on the weekend with my pocket money. It was like ninety-nine P. I was like, oh, this is Michael Jackson, this looks cool. Wow. But now you know, so in a sense we're quite lucky in that that we you know, when you look back and you're saying we were listening to vinyl and growing up listening to all this amazing stuff. And nowadays it's so different, isn't it? So just for your average your average child you can still get amazing exposure to music but your parents might have to make a little bit of effort i suppose it's so true and i think i i think in a weird way because now we have the internet and everybody it's kind of equalized or level the playing field and that everybody can anybody can put anything out mm. finding really high end music that is easy to listen to because you would have had Bob Marley used to play on top of the pops. That was a normal thing. Mm -hmm. And I remember like the records I grew up listening to, there was that record with Roberta Flack and Donny Hathaway, the duet and that, and my mum used to play, you know, the, they did a cover of the righteous brothers. Um, You've lost that loving feeling. Mm. And this is very deep, mature music, but that's what I was listening to when I was like five. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. You know, and even, like you say, Whitney Houston, those records were really well-crafted records. You know, they weren't, you know, music by numbers. They were, they were written by um, songwriters that really, really understood the craft of songwriting. You know, mm, you can yeah. hear it, even though it's very accessible music. You know, off the wall was that was all Quincy Jones, and he got the best engineers, the best mu musicians to write mm. complex but very, very um, accessible, easy to listen to music. Mm. No, it is, it is interesting, isn't it? I think I think in that sense we're very lucky. In terms, of, I I went to see Whitney in Wembley, I think, in 1989 as a really young girl. Wow. Um, yeah, that was a that was an amazing experience. That was when she was really literally at her peak, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, and then I think later, a little bit um, into when I was maybe from twelve to fourteen is when I got more deeply into the Sarah Sarah Vaughan and the Ella and the Billie Holiday 
and some of the more like take five even was around Bobby McFerrin, all that kind of stuff. So like more um, jazz, but from the vocal vocalist entrance point, you know, and some of the instrumental stuff as well. Um, I remember specifically though, being like 13, 14, listening to like Al Jarreau and Sarah Vaughan, like lots of different, just amazing jazz vocalists. And you can imagine how that feels, or you can remember how that feels at that age when you're getting deep into those kind of singers. So going from the, from the amazing soul singers and the, like the Whitney and the Aretha, then moving on to like a little bit of um, a different branch, you know, and a little bit older as well. So going back in time a bit more and um, like learning all the scat solos and stuff like that. That's what I was into. I actually got really into Cleo Lane at one point as well. I'm, I still am very much into her, but she was someone that um, that I thought was re- I thought was amazing at that age. Um, so I, I, I think I, I sort of associate myself, although I didn't go to like um, jazz conservatoire, um, I think I'm more like, I, I, I see my childhood more similar to the students that go to the conservatoire because that's the type of stuff that they're into at that age. So I think I was less the sort of, um, you know, stage school, um, pop kind of aspiring young girl. And I was a bit more, um, a bit, 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 bit more of a jazzer. Um, so would you, would you describe yourself as a jazz singer? Yeah. Yeah. If I only had words, I would say all the beautiful things that I see. describe and I, I mean I don't know if there were the right words for this but how does one describe a jazz singer versus say like you say a mainstream or a pop singer or even a musical theatre singer what is what is so unique about a jazz singer's voice yeah um by the way I would have said also when we're differentiating them like saying what's the difference between a jazz and a pop and then also what's the difference between a jazz and a soul singer as well um mm-hmm. I would have said that, although I think the difference between a, a really good soul singer and a really good jazz singer is not as big as the difference between a jazz singer and a pop and a musical theatre singer. I think they're much more closely connected yeah. um, because a really good soul singer has got all that like blues pentatonic stuff and all the runs and all the understanding of harmony that they like. If you think of like Kim Burrell, who's mm. like a gospel singer, she's like the best jazz singer in the world. Do you know what I mean? Um, in terms of, so that, that's really what a jazz singer is. It's someone who has that, um, a, un, it's not, not the style of singing for me, it's the understanding of the harmony and uh, the musicality 
it is the expression and if we want to go a little bit deep into you know um going really 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 deep into the african-american tradition I think that you can hear someone that has done that in every sense of their being and their musicality and someone who just sort of jumps on it and thinks that jazz is some sort of sexy thing. Mm. You just sing some sexy notes. So for me, it's like a very roots thing. And I'm very judgmental in that where I'm like, I listen for roots and I can hear roots and I can, I feel like I can hear when it's coming from a really soulful and genuine place. Um, and that's what really gets me. There's some amazing people, obviously, in London and in the States and everywhere. Young young singers coming up. There's some amazing people. And then there are also lots of chances. Um, not anyone that we would know of, but they're they're around, you know. They'll be around. You'll 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 see people that you know think think that jazz is just something that you just literally jump on and um try and, you know, sing some little gentle Santa baby. <laughs> oh yeah, that's amazing. That's it, you've got it now. <laughs> funny, that's funny. It's it's I suppose I'm thinking of like um, you know, it's like cooking. So yeah. certain foods you just need to let the flavours marinate and yeah. you have to slow <laughs> the flavours down. The flavours are complex and you have to cook it slowly. You can't just chuck it in, it just doesn't work. And I think with the voices that that really understand what they're doing and they've taken the time and they, they have, um, like you say, they have a repertoire and understanding of the world in which they're in. You can just hear it. You, you always mm. can. You can't. I don't think you can hide with certain types of music. It always. Yeah. It's always easy to discover. OK, no, no, this is this is not the real deal. For me, it's the same with reggae. You know, mm. if reggae isn't done well, it just sounds like that weird karaoke. Uh, 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 uh. It just doesn't have any um, like soul to all. Like when I say soul, I mean like, you know, the roots, the core of it. Yeah. It's something that you have to understand to really play well. Absolutely. No, I absolutely agree. And I do understand what you mean by when you say soul. It doesn't have to mean the stylistic definition of soul as a style it means it has to have soul and the right roots and i think i do agree that that's very important i think those would be the two things that that people have asked me before what the two two main things and i do say those two things soul and roots and soul not meaning you have to be style of soul you could be folk you could be classical it has to have soul and it has to have roots the right roots of of that genre and i i definitely agree that in every genre you can hear when it's the same with classical music you know when like they say that you know people can jump on a thing and and like be a classical musician but you can hear when it's not something they've devoted their life to and they don't have all the roots that they're supposed to have those deep 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 roots um it just never works in the same way it just doesn't impact you in the same way um so no i definitely think those two things are really important i was laughing by the way when you mentioned the cooking because i always remember like a lot of times to myself when you had your birthday and um cooked up a storm and everyone cooked up a storm but um how much you were kind of devoted to being the kitchen and didn't really enjoy your party because you were just there just (laughs) slaving away getting everything right and every dish was so immaculate and had so many kind of herbs and different ingredients and I was just thinking wow she really like me I just kind of like 
grab a bit of couscous, put some boiling water on it and, and maybe a bit of turmeric and put it on the table and say, come on, everybody, help yourself. Maybe <laughs> I might open a tub of hummus and pop it on the table and maybe a bag of tortillas. But the way you did your, your, your dinner, and I always remember that. So I know when you're saying you've got to let the juices marinate and you've got to really go for it. You're very serious when you do something, Mertzi. <laughs> That's so funny. I don't even remember because I've done so many of those like cooking for people. But I don't know, man. I think food is like music, you know. If I don't like someone to come to my house and then I, I grew up in a house where there was always food. You came to the house and you always got fed. Mm. And my mum is an incredible cook. Mm. So you can't come to my house and I just, I don't know, I just give you a packet of crisps, man. It has to be, I, I care about it. I care about it the way I care about music. I want people to yeah. enjoy what they're eating, you know, and not say, Matt, you know, I think what, what could be the most insulting thing is someone saying my food has no flavour. I'd like really take that personally. Just insult, isn't it? <laughs> so, but, but back to, back to you. So, you know, we know your roots now and where, and where you've, you know your your musical I guess origins but but then you end up I mean you really have you've worked with Quincy Jones you've worked with Erica Badu the cinematic orchestra you've done all the major jazz festivals Cape Town Jazz Festival Fuji Rock Glastonbury Coachella North Sea Jazz Blue Note Jazz Festival the list goes on and mm. um, how did you end up getting into into that space well, most of the touring I've done, most of those festivals that you quoted now, um, um, I did with the Cinematic Orchestra. Okay. So I can tell you a little bit about them and how I got to work with them. Mm. Um, it wasn't just with Cinematic Orchestra that I've toured. I've toured with lots of other bands and had the opportunity to be on stage with some amazing musicians. So I would have said, it's difficult to say what happens with you know, working musicians in the, in the industry, what happens is you sort of start out a little bit um, rudimentarily, you know, playing in little bands and maybe doing a few gigs around and um, semi-professionally amateur, you might do a little gig. And then what happens is you get into a bigger band and then you get a little tour and then you get invited to go to South Africa and then you get invited to go to Europe and then and then you go on a tour bus and you go around. So that's how it worked for me. It just sort of, I would have said, started quite slowly. I just got one tour and then someone recommends you for another. It, it just goes like that. So my, it's really interesting because sometimes when I look back and I say, you know, I've been so blessed, traveled around the world, played in the best festivals, you know, met the best musicians, listened to the best musicians, shared the stage with the best musicians in the world, mm. been on the same festivals. And sometimes you're there and you go, how did I get here? Because mm. this is literally, you know, this is my dream. Like, mm. imagine myself as a 13-year-old girl listening to all those records, um, aspiring to get into a little band. Imagine myself seeing myself now as a big woman, like, doing all of this. Mm. You know, and then you, you catch yourself complaining. Oh, I don't want to go on a 12-hour flight, you know? And you have to always remind yourself, like, I'm living the dream of my teenage childhood self that wanted to be a musician and share the stage and learn from amazing musicians, you know? Um, 
and so sometimes I do wonder like how did it happen and um it's interesting because it happens through like it's a domino so I can always trace it back and I, I remember weird things where I go okay I once went out to a jam session at WKDs in Camden mm-hmm. and I met this guy played guitar and then I went and did a gig with him and then his brother introduced me to a producer and then I met Esco you know like that and then it just goes like and then you go oh my god everything in my life came from that one night when I went out to a jam in WKDs when I was 19 some I'm just using that as an example yeah sometimes when I think back I I see that there were like key nights where I went to a jam and met like a bunch of amazing people or one amazing person and everything that I'm doing in my life came from those people see what I mean amazing amazing Mm. I love that I I love how everything sort of ties together and I'm such a big um you know the 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 name of this podcast is holding up the ladder and it's this idea Mm. that as we ascend we hold up the ladder for each other you know we keep the door open and somebody kept the door open for you that led to another door that led to another door and of course you put the work in and you're you wouldn't be I I would call you um you know you have worked with musicians musicians you know your musicians love you because your skill is there so so you're there because you have earned your way there but it's also because somebody kept the door open for you and was like you know we want Heidi to come and do this, which is so amazing. So I, I love, I love that. Yeah, no, I do too. And I totally agree that it is like people keeping the door open for us. And, um, and you know, the, you know how it is when you're around musicians that, that the personality um, and the music go hand in hand and you see these amazing musicians and they're amazing people and they're amazing teachers to us as musicians, as humans and everything. And so I think that, um, we do get blessed by being around them. And one of my um, sorts of disciplines that I try to keep in my life is to keep connected to the people on the scene and the musicians and go out all the time. Um, I, don't, I don't want to say all the time because I've had big hiatuses where I haven't gone out and have really missed it. But sometimes I, I, when I haven't been doing it enough and I, I force myself and say, I need to go out and hear some new music and, and connect and it always enriches me so much it, like it pays back a thousand times for the effort mm. so if I could advise people on anything that would be my one advice actually to go yes. out and connect to musicians and hear them and meet them and to listen to them and talk to them and even play with them if you get the opportunity to go to good jam sessions or things like that that's great that's great and I think you know music is something where like you said you can't detach it from the people that are making it so when you are around these people you're learning so much from them and that can only make make us better artists actually yeah I always say that my biggest inspiration musical inspiration are my friends that's Mm. what I say and I believe it's true because those are the people we hang around with the most we listen to the most all of us you included you know we listen to each other we hear each other we get inspired and 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 you know yes we do listen to the other people that we love to listen to on records but the people that we play with and know and our friends are equal 
to those people mm. because then they're all, in, in many many cases that we're all on the same level as well That's you know what i'm saying yes yes yeah i love that and it's interesting because i know like what i noticed in terms of your musical trajectory is that you started singing more and more in uh, brazilian portuguese yeah that that's an example of my friends influencing me because i didn't i i got into brazilian music in my late teens mm -hmm. through brazilian musicians saying to me i was working in a show in germany which was like a cirque du soleil um produced show mm -hmm. and um there were these amazing two trapeze artists, two girls from Brazil, from Rio, and they had like this gorgeous um, kind of like air hoop thing. And their show had um, this beautiful Brazilian piece that was written for them. And um, there were some Brazilian musicians playing there as well. And it was actually one of the trapeze girls that said, you should sing you should sing a Portuguese song, your voice would really suit. And that was it. And then I would hear them speaking in, in Brazilian Portuguese and listening to the music. And they introduced me to Brazilian music, really. Um, before then, I wasn't into it at all. I'd never really listened to it. Um, and I, yeah, I got, it's a perfect example of just getting influenced by my friends. <laughs> That's so amazing. And, and it's funny because it, it literally sounds like if you told me you were from like Bahia or Sao Paulo, yeah. I'd believe you. It, 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 <laughs> it's so you have made it become you so much. I, I love yeah. it. And you have, um, you released a record, Turn Up the Quiet. Yeah. And most of that is in Brazilian Portuguese, isn't it? Yeah. It's funny because I feel like I get more and more connected to the Brazilian Portuguese as time goes by because my, I, over the years I would say so first I just learned I listened to it fell in love with some of it then met some musicians was falling in love more and more with the sound the music learning it um phonetically to sing some songs then learning a couple of words how to say hello and goodbye then learning a bit more learning a bit more learning a bit more and and then now I I, I kind of speak really Fluent, not really fluently but well and I've spent um a lot of time you know where I for example my um first babies actually so I've had Brazilian nannies living with me where they didn't speak any English for the first one two first three years of my two babies lives so for three years I was only speaking Brazilian Portuguese every day every day because i had brazilian nannies living at my house that didn't speak any english but that that was i already spoke the brazilian portuguese when they arrived but it was just an interesting experience where i went from you know years before getting into brazilian music and just learning it phonetically to there i'm just now and that's my main language i'm just yak 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 yakking away all day and i'm like wow it's amazing how you know over 20 years now i'm suddenly fluent um, but it was interesting how it made the difference in the music as well and how I connect to the songs. And I know I've got a long way still to go because the poetry is very, very powerful in, in, as it is in, in all, you know, music with lyrics. Um, but definitely um, Brazilian music, the poetry is very powerful. And um, it was funny because I remember doing a gig um, and um, 
a kind of well-known Brazilian artist used to come to some of our shows and then came years later and then someone said to him she speaks Portuguese now like when we were conversing so to say like she can chat to us now you can talk to her in Portuguese and then he said yeah I could hear it I know when from how she was singing the songs yeah because it's like you know you I mean you can imagine the difference yeah I could do I could do a lot phonetically Brazilian people did think that I was from Brazil after hearing me sing, even when I didn't speak a word. And they used to come to me and I would go, no, 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 I don't speak any Portuguese. And they would go, oh my God, I thought you were from Brazil. You know, like, <laughs> and, and like they would say my pronunciation was really good because we as musicians have good ears. So if you properly learn it phonetically, you can copy it really well. If you, you just have to get to it, you know? And um, so I did manage to do that phonetically, but the difference when I could understand the words and how I expressed it. I don't know, the guy just, the guy said, no, I know she speaks, I could hear that already. (laughs) Amazing. Viver assim, dilacerado Escravizada, uma ilusão que só Desilusão Não seja a vida sempre assim Como um luar desesperado write songs but when you are writing do you write lyrics in um, Brazilian Portuguese now or is it still in English I mean how does that work yeah English only I am I've written some songs with friends of mine who are great lyricists in Brazilian Portuguese Mm -hmm. and I appreciate the poetry and I like to talk to my friends about the poetry and I talk to them about the poetry in English and they talk to me about it. But I think it, it will, it's never the same. I mean, how can you write poetry in a language? That's, it's not the same. You can never write poetry in a language that you haven't mastered, really mastered. Writing poetry in your own language is hard enough, isn't it? <laughs> you know, and it's so funny because I speak French. Okay. And I, and I would say I'm fluent, you know. I yeah. have tried, I have so many songs that I've tried to write in French yeah. and it's so, so hard. It just, it, all the things you're saying, because it's not my mother tongue. Yeah, yeah. So I can put very basic things in, but you know, the nuance and the poetry and especially because mm. French language, similarly to like Brazil, mm. you know, you have layers of meaning. It's not just like the cat sat on the mat, you know? Mm. <laughs> And so trying to write something that has depth of meaning, I've really struggled. And I know there's a, there's a singer that I love. I don't know if you've heard of her called Yael Naim. And she's Israeli, but she's lived in France for, I, I'd say about 20 years. And so mm-hmm. she's also fluent, but she writes, she sings in Hebrew and English for mm-hmm. the same reason that, you know, you're saying you don't write in, in Brazilian and I don't write in French. It's such a funny like you said, it, it takes such a long time to master. Yeah. 
And I think even mastering a language is just to speak it is different from being able to poeticize in that language. It's just such a skill, isn't it, to be able to write lyrics and poetry. So, I mean, it could be that someone just has an incredible skill in a language that they haven't mastered, but I've actually never seen it. But what I have seen, which is really interesting, is how sometimes when you translate things in a very raw way from how people express it in another language, if they're poets and you talk to them and they explain something to you from another language, it can be so impacting. It can cut right, right through you in English and say, oh my gosh, look how he just said that to me. No one would ever say that in English. Mm. Yeah, so I've, I've noticed that with people that are incredible in their language and speak enough English to be able to explain what they're saying and they say, say how they're saying it in English. Um, do you see what I mean? Yes, but that's, that's different to, to actually sitting down and writing it as a poem. I think you can do it, but I think you have to be very much bilingual at that point. Mm -hmm. Very I, much bilingual, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And I know what you mean about words i mean i find so for example with a lot of french the kind of french music i listen to it's very descriptive so mm -hmm. you'd think you'd just be able to repeat it there's a, a, a belgian singer called dick arnegan i think mm -hmm. who has a song called coutance and he's literally just describing what he how he wakes up in the morning and he goes to the bakery and he buys a croissant and he's sitting there but it's so viscerally written that you're just there and you can, like you said, you could directly translate it and it would have the same impact. Yet still the skill to write the way he did, it's because it's his mother tongue, which I, f I just find fascinating. I'm sure someone like, you know, a linguist would be able to explain why, but it is so true what you're saying. Mm, yeah, no, it's interesting. So tell me, I mean, you've already kind of said it, but what or who informs your work the stuff that you're making well i'm not really making stuff as such um it's difficult to say when you say stuff i'm making do you mean like which records i have made which i haven't made that many but i've done lots of collaboration and written lots of songs um but i'm sort of at a crossroads where I'm not sure which record I'm going to make next and I've got lots of different ideas but haven't got the right people or the budget necessarily to work with so it's difficult for me to know I'm not in a position where I have like amazing labels and producers and people that are just backing me to make whatever I want to make do you see what I mean and I'm not I'm not that able to do it all on my own some people are just they don't need money, they don't need producer, they don't need anything, they just have their bedroom and they manage to create amazing music. Yeah. Um, I somehow have never really been able to do that. I have done it at different phases of my life where I've sat down in my living room with my little keyboard and recorded an amazing song, or, you know? Um, but I don't make rec amazing records like that. So it's difficult to say what informs what I make. I can say what informs what I do and who I'm trying to become as a musician. Well, but, tell yeah. me because that, that's powerful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's a sad one because, unfortunately, that dictates so much of myself. Is like, I feel like I'm on a journey of who I want to become as a musician and not what I'm trying to create in terms of actual product. 
I'm just on a journey for myself to become myself, mm. you know? Um, it's not fully for myself because it's all about giving back to the music and to the people that love music. And, mm. and it, it, it's a devotion, isn't it, really, to the actual, the aesthetic and the art and the whole. So, yeah, what informs who I'm trying to become and what I'm trying to become in music? Um, did you say who informs or what informs? It can be either. It can be either or both. Yeah, I would say it's mostly who's. It's lots uh -huh. of people and lots of music. Well, people who, have, who've, who I think are doing it and have done it, you know? Um, sometimes I write lists for myself of all the things that I want to do, you know? Um, like, okay, I want to work on my... Like, I'll write a list and be like sight singing um um kodai you know um sulfur sulfur singing so i'm like okay i need to do half an hour kodai half an hour sulfur half an hour sight singing ear training i need to work on all my modes i need to improve my piano skills i need to get it down so i can play like all the chords and all the different um inversions of the chords um so i can play and learn i need to be able to recognize all the chords by ear okay now i need to like really improve the agility of my voice so that i can improve my runs i need to break down the best runs and learn all of the runs i need to now work on my spanish singing now i need to work i need to learn to sing in french i've also got to do my arabic singing i learn that as well and and i'll just like write this list of what i need to do and then i just go what the hell am I trying to do? I can't even do, I can't even put five minutes practice in per day. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's really tough. It's really tough. That's why I feel like it's sad because there's so much that one wants to achieve. That's why music is such a gift because it's not, it's not like being a sportsman where there's an end to your life. You'll never end until you die. You'll still be learning. You'll be going on going, I need to just get this one last line and need to learn this thing in French now or something else that you'll be trying to learn. Um, and so, yeah, we're all, I'm all, I feel like I'm always disappointing myself for sure. Definitely. That's I'm always so very disappointed in myself. I have to say. <laughs> I, I really connect with what you're saying. So I'm like smiling to myself because I have lists. <laughs> I bet you, you do. I bet you do. <laughs> And, and I think, and you know why I love what you said, and I said earlier in our conversation that for me, you feel like a musician's musician, because what you're talking about is what musicians really care about. Like who, what kind of musician do I want to be? I, my friend, who's a sax player. He will spend hours just playing one note to try and get the tuning and the tone of that note a certain way. And I think that feeling like, of of being a musician you're like okay this is what i want to be able to do with my voice or this is how i want to play and i ha i have all these plans yeah and yeah. um yeah it's 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 a funny tension isn't it because you want to put all the work in i think also you're a parent and i think parenting mm. i find it's usually like single men who are able to do this mm. level of work because it's so much work yeah um but um, that's so funny. I, f I feel you. But then I guess at the same time, you're still, even just the doing, even just, you know, being with other musicians, even playing with other musicians and singing with mm -hmm. them, there is still growth. It might not be in the 
like I had this thing that I was like, oh, two years, I'm just going to do this every day. I had this plan of like playing the bass for every single day. And I was going to, like, I had this whole plan. It was going to be Esperanza at the end, right? Yeah, I was going, not even Esperanza Spalding, I was going to be Michelle Indecacello. That's who I was going to be. <laughs> okay. You know, I was like, yeah. Okay. Um, it hasn't really happened, but I'm still <laughs> believing at some stage it will, but I'm okay I'm okay with it now. I'm okay with. Um, well, this is it. Being okay with it is that. See, this is the thing, because we're so hard on ourselves. You have. This is the thing. You have. What you said earlier rings very true to me. We have to be happy with the small progresses that we have. So when we have five minutes practice with someone and we learn something new and we assimilate something new and we grow, as long as we're growing a little bit, it's good. As long as we're growing a little bit, it's good. Of course, we're, ne we're always going to have our lists of, you know, you want to be, you know, you want to be the great bass player. I want to be the great pianist. The things that, we, you know, we might not be doing as much as we should be doing to get there. And in my case with the piano, it's been something I've been yakking on about for years and never managed to get it down to the level that where I can actually perform. I've never performed like playing the piano and singing. So I've never, ever done it. And I always say, oh, I should do it and I want to do it. And then I say, I don't want to do it. And um, but um, it's just those things hang over us like shadows, you know, the mm. things that we wish that we could do. But what's interesting is every time you get the opportunity to, in my case, for example, play in a band where I had to learn something new for that band or um, play in a, a, an ensemble where I had to like sight sing and read something or learn something new that I, that was really hard for my ears or practice something or go and play with people or get grueled. Um, every time you come out of one of those experiences, you've done, you know, 1% of what's the one thing that was on your list. Mm -hmm. So we're still on the way somehow. And I think that it's important to say, okay, it's good to have the list there because these are like the ultimate goals and aspirations. And they really are, they're abstract goals. Yeah. They're not something tangible. So it's, it's not something like, um, okay, go to the supermarket and buy, you know, two bags of rice and, and some chicken. It's not something you can achieve. These are not, <laughs> they're, mm. they're, they're like spiritual goals. It's like saying, mm. I want to be happy. You know, it doesn't have any limit, does it? <laughs> <laughs> there's no beginning or end you know the spectrum is so huge so it's it, it's an interesting one they're okay to have those lists and those goals but we have to understand that they're they're kind of like utopian ideals and and we've got to be happy with the little bit of progress that we can do mm. of course there are times where we we can actually have times in our life where we devote ourselves to one thing lots of musician friends that we have go to India and study music for six months or go to Africa and go on a drumming, drumming retreat. And there's lots of amazing stuff that people that we know are doing mm -hmm. and they go on courses for five and six years to universities and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. But at this point in your life, if you're not doing that and you've mm -hmm. got the goals you want to achieve at that rate, but you're never going to achieve at that rate because you, you have to achieve at that rate. You basically have to go and do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I do. And I think, I think life is such a dance and you yeah. have to be okay with things just ebbing and flowing all the time. Mm -hmm. And, and like you say, that's okay, you mm -hmm. know, and, um,
but yeah, I, I, I really, like, I think I went through a stage, like, I really want to get into Cuban piano, so I was having Cuban piano lessons, and then I really want to start learning Arabic, so I have, like, a friend started teaching me Arabic, and I have these <laughs> Arabic, <laughs> Arabic cards, you know, Arabic cards here, that I'm like, okay, I've got it, because I love Arabic, you know, I really love it as a language, and, yeah, um, yeah, but I think, I think I've, I've come, come more at peace, like you say, it's like saying I want to be happy that this is something I'm just going to be doing for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. rather than setting these sort of finite goals like in six months this is what I want because I think if I really wanted it I would have done it already because there are things that I've really wanted that I have done you know Mm -hmm. the thing is the reason that we haven't done because we've already got something so you've already got your classical piano and your jazz singing, your soul singing. We're, we're already like, we're of an age where we've done like the bulk of our education. That's the thing. Mm. It's the educated music is something you can never stop learning. So if we wanted, we would just be on courses for the rest of our lives. <laughs> We'd be going to Africa, to Saudi Arabia, going, you know, then we'd just be, I'm going to go and do a language course in Saudi Arabia. And, and now I'm going to Morocco to do, to learn with some like, you know, um, some desert music and now I'm going to South Africa to do a drumming course and I'm going to India to do a tabla course and it would just go on and on and we'd still (laughs) (laughs) do you know what I'm saying I do do. and you know like sometimes uh, there are some musicians that will give me solace so you know Jimi Hendrix couldn't read a lick of music Mm. but there, there are accounts of him where he would just go everywhere with his guitar he was just always playing it. And I've seen like an interview where he's like, oh, I'm not very good. And I'm thinking, what the? And you know, this guy died at 27, right? Yeah. But if you think about the contribution he made to music and how we, how we ex- you know, rock and roll and all of those things, mm. there were like, I'm sure he had his lists that he didn't, um, you know, that he didn't accomplish. Tell me, um, I always like to ask people what lessons they have learned that we can also learn from. Mm. Mm. That's an interesting question. Um, Tell me a bit more about that so I can know where to go and what to say. Yeah, so in the context of music, or it doesn't have to be music, but some people have said things like taking risks or um, being true to yourself. I used to say the word like, what are the mistakes you have made? But I think mistakes suggest something that is sometimes negative and sometimes they're not negative lessons. They are necessary lessons, Mm -hmm. but it's impacted how you've learnt or how you live. And because this podcast is about holding up the ladder, it's about creating communities where we share knowledge and build each other up in order to build up the arts. I like people to sort of share some of the things that they have learned so that whoever's listening to this might think oh yeah I hadn't thought of that yeah you know Mm. no it's really interesting what you're saying because I think that some of those sort of cliches like be true to yourself and take risks I've never really 
communicated to me in a sense that I don't understand what they mean because um, I sit there and say, well, what does take risks mean? Because taking risks is not a piece of advice because taking risks could be something really dangerous. So like I, I analyze stuff in a different way where that doesn't mean anything to me. I need you to tell me what you mean by take risks. Mm. Um, do you see what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I don't really, that, that, that has like a thousand meanings to me and it doesn't mean anything good or bad. Like I would never listen to that as a piece of advice. I want something a lot more specific than that. Mm -hmm. um, when I'm listening to advice from people and I do take lots of advice from people and I do take advice from musicians as well. Um, so it's so hard to say because I don't feel that I am where I want to be. So I can't say like what the mistakes I've made are and what, how I've rectified them and what I realize is right. Because I, 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 I don't feel that I have achieved the things that I want to achieve. So I can't, it's like, I can't give advice on what's right. The things that I said that when we spoke that stand out to me, are my advices like to connect to the people that you admire to um learn from your friends to listen to the best people to the best music to have a path that you're on or what you're trying to achieve as a musician uh, to vote to devote yourself to the music and not to trying to be snazzy and interesting or famous to devote yourself to be an interesting a good musician and a, have have um connection to your roots and to roots of what you're going into so I think it's important to have connection to your own roots and to the roots of the music uh, lots of things like that would be my advices to people but they're not necessarily from mistakes they're just my advices but the mistakes are I'm still you know sort of not fully happy with how I'm doing on those things <laughs> you see what I mean that that would be my, my advice I mean, there'd be loads of them. There'd be loads of them. I'm obviously, as a vocalist and for the type of people that we know and the singers that we um, look up to in this town, as an example, um, you can see that um, the level is very, very high. Some of those things that we spoke about, about roots and soul and connectivity and history are really important to me in, in that sense. So that would be like, yeah, that's like one bit of advice. It's like, don't jump on something if you're not going to go really deep into it. Mm. You said you're not where you want to be. Where do you want to be? I think I want to be a better musician and a better vocalist um, and um, a better songwriter and a better organiser of my own um, plans and record making and I think I'd like to make some more records I think that would be the next step um, I've got a lot of unreleased music as well so it's just figuring out what's the right stuff to release out of that um, things like that it, it, it's very interesting because what I've noticed about the younger generation of musicians of artists yeah. they are very good at releasing music that's not finished mm. there's a, a lot of not not all of them and i don't mean i don't i'm not suggesting the music isn't good but but what i would say of 
our generation of musicians because we really care about things and all the stuff we just talked about about you know all the all the work you know the the work of musicianship that we we both want to do and we're aspiring to knowing that we'll be doing this for the rest of our lives sometimes that can hinder us from just going okay what do i have in my hand right now it's not it's not exactly what i want but let's just put it out but then when i see younger artists they just they're so prolific i was talking to one guy just this week and he has made this a promise to himself that he will release a piece of music every single week even if it's not where he wants it to be so he's just releasing things i i mean i cannot even envisage myself ever doing that but there is something i am i am learning from them about knowing how to let things go a bit quicker i'm still i'm still more on the you know i won't put stuff out that i don't i'm not proud of or i don't value but to not hold stuff so tightly um you know so it's not like you know when like somebody dies and they're like oh there's this vault of music of like thousands of thousands of songs so it's a fine balance but i think there is something to learn of like the younger generation of musicians who are i think a bit freer than we are no i think that's really interesting that you said that because i've noticed that as well in terms of the letting things go and letting things get out there quite easily um i think that some of those people have that as just a natural ability to be able to let things go. I actually think it's better to be, a, if you could choose one of the two, it's better to let things go than not. Mm-hmm. That if I could say, because um, those people also have an ability. It's a, a sort of um, personality ability to get things completed. Mm. So they get things done. That's their part of their personality. So that is a gift in itself. Sometimes, you know, we're holding on to things doesn't mean that it's not done. It's just that we can't get things done. Do you know what I mean? So that's not very good. They get things done. They just move, move, bang, bang, bang. That, you know, we might be good at getting things done in terms of like everything's in order in your house and you're cooking and stuff. I'm talking about as an artist. Yeah. yeah. I'm not. They, they, those people that do, they're popping out the music. They might be living like tramps, but they're getting <laughs> done. No, because you know it's a different type of person. Like it's <laughs> different things. Being an artist and being a good, good kind of like a person in terms of how you keep yourself in your house and your room. Yes, I do. <laughs> they could like even smell. They <laughs> smell or look like really bad. And we show up looking perfect, but we're not putting out any music. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, so I, it's a special skill. So I would have said I'd, I'd choose their skill over, over ours. But I think that sometimes when you're holding things back, what it's to do with is not having the right team around you. Because when you have the right people around you to work with you, and I think that's what it is. I think I, I would honestly say that's what it is. You, we or any artist that's in that position needs the right people to work with that will say, okay, this is how we're going to finish it off. This is what it needs to sound like. No, it's done no, it needs a bit more work mm. and you put your faith in other people. And I think mm. that's a really big, big one. That's so, that's so true. The, the right people really does matter. I mean, I know, for example, there was a singer, she was amazing. And she realized because she couldn't play an instrument, it was, she was always waiting on other people to help her do things. So she just learnt 
she taught herself the guitar, which kind of sped up the process in some ways. But I definitely agree the right team is, especially if you're not someone that's doing, you know, all you need is a laptop mm. and you can just do everything in your room. If you're trying to create something else, mm. trying to find the right people is so important. But I would also say, you know, I, I think musicians respond to what they love and somebody that hears what you do would bend over backwards to help you because mm. you're amazing. <laughs> Thanks, darling. That's so sweet. By the way, something you just said reminded me of one of the now, because this is like a therapy session where everything we're talking about is not something that I have prepared answers. When I'm talking, I'm examining my mind and delving into my mind and speaking and then, you know, becoming the answers, um, which I think is the best way for us to like really open up and communicate. Um, but I, um, so I just, found one of the answers on what what mistakes and what would be my big advice is exactly that when you said that one of your friends learned how to play guitar so I, I would say that's my biggest mistake and regret is never making it that I'm self-sufficient on my own so always like never mastering the guitar and, and the, the piano how I wanted to do it um and I was like at the, I, I was at the same level that I am now when I was a teenager so I didn't and I, I went up a bit and then forgot what I learned and went up and then, okay, I've got it. Now I forgot it. So um, that's a big mistake. And I think that guitar is amazing as well, because it's something that you can, as you said about Jimi Hendrix, take with you everywhere. And it's actually beautiful to see so many young singers nowadays um, that do play guitar and accompany themselves. And, mm. and it's the thing that helps them the most. Mm. So you know, I, I, I can't be advising them. They're advising me of my mistake <laughs> because everyone's doing it already. But if you're not doing it, then I would say, yeah, get the guitar. That's mm. probably the best thing you can do. Heidi, my last question that I, I love to ask everyone, what music are you listening to at the moment? It's interesting because I think we always listen to the same stuff. That's mm. one of the things that we do because the good music is always the best and it's always there, mm. you know? But I do listen to a lot. I, I am, I don't want to say very much up to speed on current music because I don't know how up to speed I am. But um, I try to keep up to speed because I love hearing all of the new people that are coming up and there's so much amazing young talent all the time, every every moment there's um you know the next generation the next generation coming out so i do listen to everyone so i listen a lot to the classics um and delving deeper into learning more artists and more tunes and and more albums because every amazing person's made you know multiple amazing albums so there's always something new to listen to um, and I listen to some new stuff. So for new stuff, I listen to like um, the new Thundercat album. Mm. I listen to that girl I told you about. Um, Baby Rose. Baby Rose, that's it. I listen to her. I listen to her, H-E-R. Oh, yeah. I, um, I listen to Tiny Desk a lot. Do you watch Tiny Desk? I love me some Tiny Desk. Yeah, so I like me. I like me. And some Anderson Pank, some Tank and the Bangers. What's that wonderful girl that was on Tiny Desk the other day? I'll find her in a second. Yeah, I like um, 
early bebop stuff. I'll listen to blues, old blues singers. I'll listen to some gospel stuff. I listen to lots of Sarah Vaughan. I always go back to Sarah. I listen to Porgy and Bess. I listen to uh, lots of Arabic music, Om Kultum, Fari de Latbrash. I listen to Ethiopian music. I listen to lots of classical music as well. I like opera as well. Mm. I love me some opera. Um, I listen to lots of hip hop. I like my slum village. Um, I like my Brazilian. I like I like the really roots bossa nova stuff, like the stuff that's almost like melancholic classical almost sounds Chopin-esque lots of different stuff I feel like I must be missing something <laughs> well I, I, I think musicians we always flit through things and you're always you know being inspired by something that's yeah. why I just say at the moment because I go through phases I'm sure you go through phases of what you're listening to so yeah what are you listening to at the moment well, because obviously I was about to talk to you, so I was listening to you, um, <laughs> that I love, who I go, well, I was saying to someone I was interviewing um, this week that I'm listening to a lot of flamenco and I'm absolutely loving it. Really, really, really um, enjoying it. Jose Merce and, um, uh, what's his name? Car Camarón de la Isla. Like just that kind of sound, but I tend to. Oh, and then I was listening to John Denver, <laughs> like all proper like country music. Do you like um, Paco de Lucia as well? He's of amazing. Of course, yes, I love Paco de Lucia, and I found um, I was getting rid of some CDs yesterday. I still can't take um, bring myself to just chuck all the CDs away because I'm like, I have a CD player. I know we all do digital, but I want to keep some of these things. And I found, um, I was in Morocco for a friend's wedding about six years ago. Mm. And this guy was just playing some music in a shop. I was like, what is this? And he, um, mm. he's like, oh, I'm playing this. So I bought the CD to that. I don't know um, who it is, but mm. the grooves are fantastic. And I, I always find the more I listen to stuff, the more I find connections with other genres. So some of it, although it's like Moroccan music and it's always, you know, Habibi, Habibti, yeah. I love you, Habibti. Um, mm. It sounds like dance hall to me. The grooves, mm, get, get, mm, get, get, mm, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, the girl that I was saying from Tiny Desk is called Summer Walker. Ah, yes, I know her. I do know Summer Walker. And it's so nice to see her on Tiny Desk when she's just playing her little guitar, acoustic yeah. back like that. And you just see what an incredible, incredible singer she is. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of amazing stuff. Even in the UK, there's amazing people that I love. I love me some Eska. I love mm. me some Vula. I love mm. me some um, Tawia. I love me some Amelia Martinson, Alice, Alice Zawadzki. Um, there's a lot of amazing people, a lot of inspiring That's people. Marcina Arnold, yourself. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of great people. There are a lot of great people. So that's one of my big um, kind of comforts in life is just listening to great music. And especially when you know the people and you can have your own friends be your inspirations. It's the bonus, isn't it? Totally. No, totally. And I mean, that's what I found when I was just listening to your music, I was like, yes, Heidi. Or well, as the, your Brazilian friends say, Heidi. Yes, Heidi. <laughs> okay, Heidi. <laughs> <laughs> 
Heidi Vogel, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it and appreciate you and just your, it's given me a lot of food for thought today. So thank you so much. Thanks, darling. Thank you so much to Heidi Vogel. It's always fun to reminisce with friends. But what stood out for me was how real the issue of process can be. That place of feeling like you've never arrived, never feeling satisfied, something that so many musicians and artists, including myself, sometimes feel. Please be sure to check out more of Heidi's music wherever you listen to music. You'll find some great things on YouTube and you can also follow her on Instagram. Holding Up the Ladder is available on numerous platforms, including Acast, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher and Deezer. Please share, like, subscribe to the podcast, leave comments. You can also donate to the podcast. Just click the link below. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Holding Up the Ladder, hashtag H-U-T-L. Next week, we're continuing with our musical theme, this time in Los Angeles, where I'll be talking with musician, artist and tech innovator, BT Wolf. We've sort of also lost what it means to be an artist, because I think for so long being an artist meant multiple things. It wasn't one limited compressed field even outside of you know if you look at the renaissance artists and that idea that they were a poet they were a painter they were musical um which is something that always just made complete sense to me Mm. i also feel like well why would you end there why wouldn't you bring in you know science and health and you know technology again you know it for the right reasons and, and bring in these other fields and these other layers. Until next time.